right, so we'll look at John 10, 1 this morning. Um, and then basically what I did is, um, as far as our outline this morning, um, I think we can get through John in two 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 parts. Um, we'll finish up um, the, the, the second half next week. But um, as far as our six parts this morning, the first two parts are, are, you know, the simple catchphrase is enter by the door and I am the door. And those are verses one through 10. And the second part will pick up um, um, 11 to the end. Um, but the the good shepherd um, relation, um, I just kind of gave us three things to think about as far as the good shepherd I care about my, I care for my sheep. I, I know my sheep and I lay my life down for my sheep. And as we talk in our discussion this morning, um, we've been called to be disciple makers and evangelize and to go find the lost of our, our world and culture and bring them in. So the idea of the good shepherd flows in, in a, in a way into the people of God and the ministry and the work of the church. The church is, is essentially the body of Christ and it is becoming the good shepherd and, and, you know, in our day for our community of the lost sheep and in our, in our, in our, in our highways and byways. Um, but, but I care for my sheep. I know my sheep. I lay my life down for my sheep. And just like last week, there was kind of a final response and it was related with division. I enjoyed how last week, um, just seems like as, as we were discussing, um, the spirit kind of led us to just really focus in on about the division. Um, and we we hit, have the parable out of Matthew 25 where we where, where we see in the final day of judgment is usually where we see that text being placed is um the separating of the sheep and the goats. And what's been interesting over the last um, few chapters or so of John is to watch that how Jesus's words and what he said um, to the people was actually creating division that some people would hear his words. And um, based on, you know, as he said in um, chapter eight, their, if their father was of the devil, then his words had no place in their heart. And it actually, as he began to speak more and more, it began to reveal um, who the who the children of the devil were and who the children of God was. And um, and so in his first initial speaking, um, the people that were the children of God, um, the message was foreign to them, too. It was a new message. It was cutting edge. Um, it was causing change in society and the lives of people of kind of where they put their trust. And so some of them were able to navigate through those challenges of Christ because they were really seeking God, um, maybe not to 100 percent or full because they didn't know how to do that. But Jesus was given clarity about how to seek um, God. And, and I think it'll be next week before we'll get to that. But it's, there's the simple idea that a lot of times if we've been in church, a lot of times we pass over. But a lot of times what Jesus was basically revealing on the front line here was that he had been sent from God. And the question was, who is Jesus? Who is he? And they would ask the prophet or Jeremiah or whatever, or is he the Christ? And a lot of people, it was a big leap for them to move. Um, they had so many expectations of what the Christ would be. It was a big leap for them to say, this is the Christ, because they were still waiting for the prophet and they weren't sure if the prophet had come. They didn't necessarily fully see that in Jesus. So anyway, a lot of these 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 introductory statements that that's what they were the first time these this crowd was hearing it um, prior to the cross were hard to process both for the sheep. Uh, you know, for the children of God and for the um, and and for those the children of the devil. But we see as as Jesus begins to navigate through um, it all, 
um, we see this dividing, this separation. So like I said, today, um, when we end up, there was there was a division. And we have seen this um, a couple different times. So if you've been reading through the book of John and pondering it, you've seen this, um, you know, that breadcrumb trail of, of, of some are revealing themselves to be the children of God and some are revealing themselves to be the, the children of the devil. So picking up in 10, one, um, these first 10 verses enter by the door and I am the door. Um, I think are, are they're, they're, they're helpful in, in the practical way, but I think they're also helpful in, in what is, what does ministry look like? What does church life look like? So I opened up with three questions. How does someone become a part of the family? Um, yeah, I got, uh, part of God's family is the way I said it. So, um, the second thing is how does one prove himself to be a good shepherd? And in that way, in the way that one cares for his sheep, is he pleased? How is he pleasing to God? So we'll kind of, you know, as we're looking through these 10 verses, we'll kind of answer those questions a bit just right from the scripture. So um, in 10.1, it says, truly, truly. Um, and I think I didn't write that down. But yeah, so here in this chapter, we have in verse one and verse seven, we have some truly, truly statements, which a lot of times people point out that that means listen up. I'm about to say something important. Um, I think some other versions say verily, verily. But but this is how the ESV says truly, truly. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. Um, you know, Jesus starts a lot of his his dialogues with with a sort of a, a shocking statement. Um, but but we've talked about this, I think, in chapter um, eight, we talked about it. But Jesus, you know, the idea that Jesus was seeker friendly is just not practical. Um, you know, as you read through chapter eight, he was calling them out. He had he had dismantled that they. They weren't keeping the law of Moses. They weren't acting like Moses would have wanted them to act. They weren't like Abraham and that they're even ch children of the devil, um, that they're like, he's, he's called them liars. He's called them um, murderers. And now he's calling them in this text, he calls them a thief and a robber. And so the negative terms in here that Jesus deals with is he calls some people thieves and robbers and he calls them a hireling. Well, the, 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 the description that the text gives us of a hireling is a person that does not care about the people of God. Um, and so this is not a friendly conversation. If you find yourself in the crosshairs of what he is saying here, um, you, you either got to be convicted and repent or you have to be um, hard headed, stubborn, um, like Jeff has talked about in, I guess, Act Seven with Stephen, pl plug your ears up and and want to stone the person. You you just you have no place for for his words. You just want to shut him up and end his life. Um, but he he says, um, truly, truly, I say to you, he does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figurative of, figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So I, I think there's actually a pretty good bit of practical theology here. Um, 
when he when he speaks at first he says um he, he says um he does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way that man is a thief or robber over the last 10 years um I've been truly convicted. Um, I think when you become a Christian and you see the light of Christ and the life of uh, the life of God um, is is deposited in you, and you're a new creation, and and you're just so overjoyed with the reality that um, that God makes a difference. He makes a tremendous difference in our life, and you want to share that with other people. I think a lot of times, um, kind of like the translation process. Um, when you, if, if, if you're trying to talk to someone of a foreign language and you're trying to communicate something important, I was watching a show the other night where, um, they had a translator or an interpreter for a medical situation. So this person is losing their life and there's a person that knows how to, how to do the medical treatment to help them, but they don't speak the language and they're needing some communication. So there's, there's, there's these tran translation interpretation. Well, tran um, translation can, when we talk about word from word can be saying exactly the same thing, but, but sometimes those word for word translations are odd. As I was thinking about this yesterday, we, when I was in high school, I remember this person um, coming from like up North um, United States, you know, up there, Michigan or something, Ohio or something. And they came down when we were in high school and they um, came and, and, and went to school with us and started hanging out with us. And I remember she would say, um, she would say, Hey, you guys. And I forgot what we used. That was a comparison of that, but Hey, you guys was not cool. <laughs> you know, we're, we're like, you got to stop that. The way you're talking is, is just dumb. And, and so it wasn't that we didn't understand what hate you guys meant. It just wasn't the way we rolled with it. It wasn't our, our dialect. And, um, and so we quickly said, if you're going to hang out with us, you can't be using, Hey, you guys, you, you know, you know, Hey y'all or something. I, I don't remember what we used, but, uh, but another thing that stuck out, she did was they used DUI when driving under influence or something. And we used DWI driving while intoxicated, I believe was, was the difference And um, but just seeing just that we spoke the same language, but, but, but one being in the North, one being in the South, that there was some, some differences. So when we translate, do we translate DUI or, 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 Hey, you guys, do we translate it exactly like she said it so that you can hear that oddness or do we, do we make it cool and say, you know, you know, make that, that Southern, um, um, change. Um, but, but what I'm, what I'm bringing that example in for here is, is what we do in, you know, bless, what's the old saying that bless their hearts. Um, what we, we feel like is when we, come to Christ and we have that transformation in us and we want it for other people. A lot of times we feel like that the Bible is written in such a way it's too hard for someone to understand. And so we want to simplify it or dumb it down. But what we do is we change some of the content that happens there. So what has been in my experience as, as the last 10 years of my Christian life is I want to decrease and I want him to increase. And, and that's more than just the idea. I want his words to be what I exalt more than my words, his ideas to be something I exalt more than my ideas. And so I see that in this text because he's talking about there's this sheep and someone is going to have a claim to fame to these sheep and an ownership of these sheep. And, um, but he's saying that, that there are people that come in another way other than the door. 
And so he says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I would just say a practical thing that can be said here is do we minister? Do we disciple? Do we evangelize um, through the gospel? Do we evangelize and minister through the word? Do we point people to Christ or to ourselves? Because I think in our modern culture, um, there's a temptation by ministers of our day. I, I like the term karaoke pastors. Um, you know, uh, when we go to a karaoke, there's this spirit of someone gets confident. I think I sound good and I'm singing and they're singing these hit songs, you know? And I think sometimes when you give someone a microphone to speak to other people, this karaoke spirit gets on them and they want to say their ideas more than they want to say God's ideas. And if not held accountable by themselves or by others, that can get out of hand. And so there, there is helpfulness is helpful to every once in a while, just have a kind of a purification process and say, how much am I using the word to communicate um, to people about God? Um, Something I thought about real simple is we know that God that that God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. And I thought about how many times we've ministered to people about the God of love, but not not describe anything about sin or hell or judgment and repentance. And so if someone confessed Christ and they haven't really thoroughly considered this other aspect of God that he is on a judgment day going to judge people, they may be confessing and believing upon, upon a Lord that's actually not biblical, that they're confessing in a God that's not the, the God of the Bible. And so when we see um, some of that in, in church life where people um, leave away from the church, they, they, they look like they were running strong for Christ, and then they leave away. Sometimes that's just a case that they were sold a bill of goods by a well-intentioned meaning person that wanted to see them to have the transformation that they had had, but they didn't really present the fullness of God and who he is. Um, and so maybe later on, as they begin to get in part, part of Sunday school or, or Bible study and read something about the Lord, they they said, hey, I, I don't know about this God. Um, I don't think this is the one I signed up for. And so we want to believe in the God of the Bible and the and, and the whole God. So um, but but he who enters by the door, the shepherd of the sheep to him, the gatekeeper opens. So as you read in this text, let me ask you. Does do, do any of you see the possibility? And I'm not trying to read into the text, but do you, you, you know, Jesus is saying he is the door and he is the good shepherd. But when it gets to this point, it says to the gate gatekeeper opens who possibly could the gatekeeper be here? What, what, what would you think um, in this parable, you know, where nothing's definitive here in a sense, but, but if Jesus is saying he's the door and he's the shepherd of the sheep, and he says to him, the gatekeeper opens. Who do you, who do you think the gatekeeper would be here? He was this, this uh, conversation uh, still is going on with the same crowd from John chapter nine. Um, and he's, he's speaking, you know, to the Pharisees this is after the healing of the blind man. Um, but there's some of those Israel le leaders of Israel there. Um, I heard some context um, about, you know, this idea of um, a sheepfold. 
and that every town had a sheepfold uh, and that many shepherds would bring their sheep in for the night so they could stay there and sleep, you know, peacefully. And, um, but they had a gatekeeper who would, uh, you know, open the gate and the, the sheep would go in and the shepherd, they would follow the only the shepherd's voice. Um, could it be that, that the gatekeepers here are the leaders of Israel? Yeah, I, I, well, and so, so the things I was thinking is, so that's, that's a possibility, or I, I think maybe the wannabe gatekeepers, um, are, are the people of Israel. Um, but, but I also think God, you know, like you can, you can sub in God, God is the gatekeeper. And you can look at that as, as in, in, um, retrospect with Jesus, um, as being the good shepherd. And so, like in one sense, they were they were trying to be the gatekeepers, but they were doing a bad job of it. They were bad shepherds. But the good shepherd comes. But what he's what he's I think what he's speaking is even though they're gatekeepers in a sense, they're he's calling them thieves and robbers because they're not um, they're not stewarding the sheep the way God would have them um, do. But when but if it's God in this case, the gatekeeper opens. Then what it what it speaks to us it, it it it's clearly saying that Jesus being the good shepherd that the gatekeeper opens it up. But I thought about it this way in ministry when you're um, when you're like Isaiah and you say um, here I am Lord send me when you surrender yourself to ministry and you want to be a part of the body of Christ and you want to uh, to be a steward of the sheep you want to be a good shepherd to the best of your ability. Um, God, God's going God's to protect the sheep. He's not going to let, you know, you just be a shepherd. Um, and, and so, you know, God knows your heart. He knows, um, you know, your intentions. And he's just not going to let anyone, um, you know, sh shepherd his sheep. And so I think what we see here to some degree or another is Jesus pointing out as this time is coming, there has been quite a good bit of time where they have um, poorly shepherded the sheep, and 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 he's bringing, he's bringing, he's holding these wicked gatekeepers, if that's what you build, wicked shepherds, these hirelings. He's holding them accountable, and he's introducing. He had already promised that he was going to take care of sheep and rescue them. Um, I sent that text out. Ezekiel thirty-four is where you can capture some of that in the Old Testament, but. But um, but anyway, I mean, did, does anyone see that there, or it's just you know, it's it's a parable, so um, we can't you know hold it to to ultimate, you know, um, but 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 I think it's helpful in that way of discussion. If you have a heartbeat to be a, a good shepherd and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, and let's just say you're trying to minister some people, and it seems like the door is not open, um you know, that's part of the ministry. Sometimes it's hard for a door to be open. Um, we have to be faithful. We have to stay in prayer. We have to stay in the word. Um, it, it seems like the door is open so easily to the wicked um, shepherds or hirelings or whatever at some point in time, but God is sovereign and he's bigger than all that. And we've talked about in the past, like um, our, our relationship with the Lord and ministry is not of the nature of like a microwave. It's it's more the nature of a crock pot. And so sometimes we get frustrated with the successes we see of, of, of other situations in life. But but 
if you think about all the time at this point when Jesus is stepping in, think about the time that the people of Israel, the people of God, um, had to endure terrible shepherds until Jesus stepped on the scene and became the good shepherd. And, you know, if, if we're praying for revival, you know, in that sense, God could, could, could just, you know, we could be close. Who knows? We could be on place where, where, where Christ himself or God just steps out some good shepherds that step in and, and, and those things he, he um cared. Like what we, what do we want in a shepherd? We want one that cares for us. We want one that knows us and our situation and what we're in and has the ability to do something about it. And we want someone that will defend us that when we're being attacked by the wolf, that, that, that they would, they would not act like a hireling, but they would stand in the gap and fight for us. Um, so, um, any, any thoughts there? Um, we start with the gatekeeper, but the next thought there, um, is the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. As Jeff was talking about the sheepfold, you know, you know, I kind of think of it in my mind as I try to process this, but they say in technical terms that that when the shepherds would come in from the field, all the sheep would go into a sheepfold and the gatekeeper will watch over them at night where the shepherd could get rest. But they paint this picture that the shepherd would come. The gatekeeper keeper would recognize him as a legitimate shepherd and he would say he would speak to his sheep and his sheep would just come out. They'd open the gate and they would just come out. I think about it maybe more practical for us is if, if you've ever had your kids in the daycare or, or the nursery at church or, or Sunday school or something, and you go to this birthday party or something and you, you say all the Davids or all the Dwongs or all the Lords, you know, come on out. And so all these kids are playing like mad people, but all of a sudden you just open the door and a few of these little ones just kind of come out. Um, and, and, and so I think that's a unique, intimate relationship that he's painting here, that God has this kind of relationship with us. He knows us by name. He calls us. There's no mistake when he calls our name. We know, hey, that's him Him talking. We, we, you know, sometimes people talk about moms or dads, but when a little kid starts crying, mom, it's, it's, it's crazy how moms can know that's my kid. You know, they're in a, in a conversation with another lady, but boom. <laughs> hold up i got to go deal with that that's my kid um so I, I think that's a neat picture there um um and then then i think it's also like this one this part here challenged me i don't know about you but do you ever worry if you if you love god's people do you ever worry about people being around bad influences i mean like i was kind of raised up my grandparents taught me like you know they kind of taught me on the on the principle that you don't drink how, how they say you don't drink cuss you don't drink smoke or cuss and you don't hang out with people that the drink smoking cuss you know that was their thing and they would say bad company ru ruins character and whatever phrases they used to say but but and and i brought those lessons into my into my faith into my theology and 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 i guess this is a moment it, it as i was working through this is a moment to sit down and just ask yourself how sovereign do you think god is because here he says my sheep know my voice and in verse 4 he says um or in verse 5 he says a stranger they will not follow but they will flee for him for they do not know his voice you know you see kids sometimes there's movies depict this they're like 
I, I think um, kindergarten cop was one of them. And, and they're like, stranger, 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 danger. And they get so extreme about it. And this is sort of the spiritual picture here is that that people that are children of God know when someone of the devil is just kind of doing something. And they're like, get away from me, you you weird person, you know, that and 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 how sovereign is God in that? And I I just I was challenged by that because you know when you see people that you've you've considered are not the kind of good people you want your kids to be around when your kids are hanging around with them that's bothersome to you. But um, I sometimes I never thought about it. Huh? I never thought about it. that. That means your parents were good gatekeepers. <laughs> I realize now that that's part of our job is to be a good gatekeeper to to. Uh, Recognize the, the the potential sheep of Jesus and know Jesus. Say, there is your good shepherd. You know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he he says that this last part in six says he he spoke this in figurative speech. Um, he used this with the, them and they did not understand his saying. Now, I think if we zoom out for a bit, um, as this text, um, as this particular section in twenty one ends. It says that some of them believe. Um, and so I don't think that every one of his audience didn't completely understand what he was saying, but it was definitely complex um, in, 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 a, in, in a parable or riddle kind of sense. And they weren't fully understanding what he was saying. But I think sometimes things stick with you. Um, God has a way of saying things in a way that they stick with you and you keep pondering it. And, 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 and it's kind of that concept of those who do well with what they have will be given more. Um, and, and if you're, you're, you're faithful, if you're a good steward, the clarity of what he's saying means more, but, um, I hope I've unpacked that a, a little bit. We'll hit the, the next paragraph, but, but I think, um, as we look for wisdom in our day and age and in our culture, um, we need good shepherds. We need to pray for good shepherds. We need to recognize good shepherds. We need to encourage when we find good shepherds. And um, and, and we need to realize the dangers of, of hirelings or, or thieves and robbers. We need to realize, even if if, if, if our maybe personal conviction, even for ourselves, if we have an opportunity to speak for God and we're not using his word and we're not using his gospel and we're not pointing to Jesus and, and God and the way he does things, if, if the if the if the way is too narrow for us and we think we need to ad lib and we're adding to Christ and we're adding to the gospel and all that, at some point we need to we need to just kind of silence all that and say, you know, no, because this is this is the thing. This is where it hits on for me. Is is some people think they're winning, but they're not. And if you've parent long enough, if you've been married long enough, if you've if you've worked in the house of God long enough, you realize that the things that last are the things that you build on the foundation of God, that, that, that all that little bit of adding that you do actually makes it Sandy foundation. You can call it firm foundation all you want, but if you're building it on your ideas and not anchoring it into the word of God and in the reality of, of what the gospel is and worshiping the God of the Bible and not a God of your imagination. If those things are not happening, you may seem to be succeeding, but it will not last. Um, there will be a time where God will come and he will take his good shepherd and he will rescue the sheep from your, from your grasp. Um, so in verse seven, um, 
It says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Here's that idea again. That, that's kind of crazy. Um, in verse nine, I am the door. I am. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And I came, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So that's a Sunday school verse. If anybody's been church long enough, the whole idea, uh, we, we almost idolize this text that the devil is the thief comes in and kill and still, still kill and destroy. And then I have, have, I have come to give life and have it more abundantly. This is one of those words. I've tried to put a list together of words that only the Bible use. Um, some of them are like free indeed or eternal life. Um, but here he's, he's doing something that you don't normally hear in common language is that I, I have, I, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I mean, he's pointing on on the idea of the rhyme and reason of what he's come for and what he's trying to do is to show you an aspect of life that blows your mind, that you haven't seen nothing like it. And I think that's why in ministry, if we've truly had Christ transform our heart and we um, have been set free from the bondage and the temptations of sin in such a real way, and we know that we've been hanging out with people that are wrestling with those same kind of things. I mean, if you were if you were in your BC days before Christ days, you was at a bar, you were chasing girls or whatever kind of thing you were doing. When you when you get born again and the life of God is put in you and you just don't desire that anymore and you're able to walk away well, the first conflict you have with your friends and your running buddies is they're like, well, you know, a lot of times they'll say, what are you holier than us? You better than us. And, and you're like, no, no. And, and, and it's hard to navigate through that. But the reality of the difference is that you don't desire that anymore because you've come in face with the good shepherd and you found that he is the door and you want to walk in and find pasture and, re and rest, you see better opportunities out there. And you try to communicate that in such a fumbling way. And you know, as you're saying it, that you're, you're, you're messing it all up, but you're eager and your hope is that they will see the light, that their eyes will be open to the gospel that, that, that open yours. And you don't really fully know how it happened for you. You just know that you believe and you realize and you're confessing the reality of what's happened inside of you and 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 it, and your heart is so torn because you're thankful for where you're at you're thankful for where you're going but you want to bring them with you and 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 what a what a struggle we face into being good shepherds and becoming the good the good shepherd that brought us into the fold we struggle with being good shepherds because we 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 want to we want to give them shortcuts. We want to we want to microwave them right into the kingdom of heaven. And and the reality that 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 we were slow cooked before the day we realized, and it didn't happen overnight. And they're going to have to be slow cooked before they realize. But their day can come. We have to be patient with it. We have to stay in prayer. We have to stay ministering to them. But but anyway, um, he, he let's see. We was at seven. Um, so I think. We, we, we kind of got through this first 10. I'm the door. Let's see. I lost my notes. So any, any thoughts on that? Um, entering by the door, I'm the door. And just the kind of 
practical theology that's there. Any comments? I don't read this since I know it's a different text and so forth, but I can't help but think of Revelation 3.20 where Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Mm -hmm. You know, and the reference of the door and him being coming into our lives if we open the door and just that's always been a, a strong point of me. He stands at the door for however long it takes you if you if you let him in, if you accept him. But just the the connection there between those two. Yeah. What you think, Mr. Mike? Any thoughts this morning? Um, yeah, not too much. Um, you know, when I think about, you know, the sheep hear his voice, you know. I, you know, it help, it makes me um, just kind of ponder. You know, I don't think a, I don't think a sheep understood everything the shepherd was saying, but he, but they understood his voice. They knew his voice. You know, it's similar to uh, I guess our pets. You know, like like my neighbor's got a dog that barks all the time, and I can I can say shut up all day long, but that dog just keeps barking. But if the neighbor comes out and says the same exact thing. The dog shuts up and runs inside, you know. Um, and it made me think, you know, that um, it's not the words; it's the voice of him who who is calling, you know. And and when it comes to um, how we follow and and look, I I don't know much about sheep. I think every sheep I've ever seen in my life has been in a controlled environment, probably tortured in a petting zoo or something, but seen a few in, in the wild, but never really seen, you know, the analogy that's been talked about here with a true shepherd, a true sheepfold and what that looked like. So as Jeff tried to describe that, that kind of started making sense that they would, they would come and, and house and, and the sheep, even though they be, may be mixed with other uh, sheep. Uh, when the shepherd called, um, they, when their shepherd called, they came um, and they, they understood his voice, you know, recognized his voice. And when I think about, you know, how do, how do we know, um, our shepherd's voice, you know, and it's gotta be the word of God. I was having a, I was having a conversation with my kids the other night, you know, because there's a lot of things that this world throws at us, you know, um, this culture wants to destroy us, you know, talk about steal, kill and destroy, but there's a lot of voices out there that are trying to rise to the top. And if you just take the one associated with, you know, diversity and homosexuality and the agenda there, you know, and what, what I was trying to tell my kids the other night is there has to be a standard by which we live by, you know, it, it can't be so wavering that, well, okay, this week we're going to believe this group or next week we'll believe another group if that's constantly changing, we will always be in a, in a whirlwind. But if we anchor on the truth of the word, then that becomes the, the basis or the foundation or the context of what we're talking about, the shepherd's voice. Then when, when we hear things that conflict, not necessarily that the Bible covers everything and everything that we deal with word for word, but it it has a voice associated with it, if that makes sense, right? Like if you hear something or see something, you go, yeah, that don't sound like like my shepherd's voice. It sounds like a hireling or somebody else's voice, you know? So 
um, just kind of keying in on on um, the shepherd's voice and how the sheep hear. Yeah. You had something, Jeff? I see you jumped on. I know I was hollering the kids. No, I, I like what, what Mike said. And um yeah, I I agree with, with uh what you're saying. I, I think to um um the just again the the indictment to the leaders of Israel and Pharise and the Pharisees. And I think it was in Matthew, I forget which what the address is, but he's like he looked on the crowd with compassion because they were like sheep with no shepherd. And, um, you know, even today in our times, we've got uh, progressive Christianity, if you want to call it that. Um, and I, I listened to uh, a not not a debate, but a, a conversation between somebody who believed in the authoritative word of God. And their their dividing line was that the progressive Christian didn't believe that God, that the Bible was the ultimate authoritative word of God, that we also have to take in the culture and experience. And so uh, that that's a different voice. That's a different shepherd that whoever's under his voice is listening to. And, um, you know, what Mike said about, you know, just the importance of the word of God and by what standard uh, that's important. And so I think that's, it's very important for us as sheep to hear the the true word of God. Yeah. Amen. Well, um, I, I I guess as I, as I hear where where we're going, um, I want to just kind of recite these these next three thoughts again. I care for my sheep. I know my sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, there's a lot of times, and we've all old enough to 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 have examples of this but where people say they care about you, but you find over the course of time, they don't. And um, as we're younger kids, we don't really spot that. Um, but, but, you know, one of the things as, as, as with knowing the voice, we should be able to know people and know if they really care. You know, um, sometimes long-term caring doesn't look like short-term caring, like people that want something for you right now, um, they, they butter you up real well. They tell you all the things you want to hear, the things you've been longing for, for the longest time. But as soon as they get what, what they wanted from you, they don't even know who you are. They, they went on their own way. Other people, they've always been in your life. They've always been there anytime you've ever needed them, but it's not as, um, it's fun or sexy, you know, it's so to speak, you're like, well, it's just the, that guy, just so good old boy, you know, um, you, you have that, that concept. Um, but, but, but when we take a real question, who really cares for us, who in our life really cares for us? And if you don't have no one, Jesus cares for you. And that's the theme of this, this idea here, but, but, but how many people, like, I, I guess at the end of the day, just like knowing his voice, the way if you know God's voice, you know who God has sent, you know, who is speaking on behalf of God, you know, who's ambassadors for God, who if 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 like John the Baptist, I must decrease, he must increase. And someone is not looking for to build their name, but Christ's name. And they're not looking for their fame or their glory, but they're looking for God's glory. That is a distinct thing that you can observe if you want to 
if you're wise and you want to observe the intention, you know, intentions, are they about God or are they about them themselves? And, and these three things, um, we know God cares about us. He cares about us deeply, but, but ask yourself, who are the people in your life that you found that really cared about you the most? And, and usually it has to do with someone that just loves God because, you know, like think about the idea of praying for your enemies. I mean, what an odd thing that God would, out of all the things he would command us to do, he prays, he tells us to pray for our enemies. Well, when we pray for our enemies, eventually our heart changes towards them. And, and if we pray long enough for our enemies, they'll become our frenemy. I, I like to say it that way. It just rhymes, but, but they'll become our friend. You know, um, we can overcome those things that are making us enemies. We can overcome that through prayer and giving it to the Lord and allowing God to be our good shepherd, being faithful to caring about our enemies. I mean, that's ultimately, if someone cares about you long enough, you're going to, you're going to love them. Uh, you know, um, are like th there may be people that are doing destructive behaviors in your life and you might be their enemy because you tell them what they're doing is wrong and they don't want to hear it. And they're like, just leave me alone. Let me do what I want to do. But you keep, faithful and you hold the line and you say, you know, that's not going to work out for you. You can't keep doing that. And, 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 and hopefully the story is written in the end that that person says, you know, you've always been right. You've always been honest with me. You've always told me the truth. And I want you to know I'm giving that up anymore. I'm not going to do that, that addiction. I'm not going to have that affair anymore. I'm not going to do that stealing and cheating anymore. You were right. And I just want to thank you for keeping to point me to the truth because I've always known it. I just couldn't embrace it. And, and, and that person says, you know, you cared for me. You told me the truth and love. You always were steady. You didn't necessarily judge me or hate me, but you cared for me. And that's what praying for our enemies looks like. So in these ideas, who really cares for you? Can you really care for someone if you don't know God and you don't know how much he cares for you? It's from his great care for you that you pour that out into the other people of your life. And then do you really know people? My daughter was talking about something the other day and she's still at that young adult life, but she was talking about possibly her future in-laws and some stuff. And, um, and she was like, she was like, we, we were trying to kind of, talk to her about how to handle that situation a little bit. And she kind of, you know, blew us off. And she was like, she said, there's a lot of things going on. You don't know about, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm getting close enough to 50 that I've seen, I've seen it, man. Um, there, there ain't too much. You know what they said? There's not, nothing, um, nothing new under the sun that God keeps bringing things around. And, and when you start becoming spiritually discerning and understanding, you, you realize sin is sin, light is light, dark is darkness, and you just sense, just like we're talking about the voice here, the voice of the good shepherd or the voice of the devil, and that you don't listen to the hot, you know, the stranger's voice. You, you, when you get around situations, you may not know everything about the marriage, everything about the family dynamic, but you just sense something ain't right. You sense that it needs prayer. You sense it needs a touch of God. You sense it needs some forgiveness. And, and, and it's just really doesn't get much, you know, super complicated. Um, and so we don't always have to know all the details. We know we can sense when we walk in a room that there's, there's bitterness 
and there's frustration. And, and, you know, if you think about your kids, if, if, I don't know if you've, you've experienced this, but I remember being the recipient of, of when your parents would make you hug each other and tell them you love them and, you, and you're doing it through your teeth. You know, you just sense there's just a wall here. And if we keep this wall, keep watering it, we're going to have problems. We just need to knock this wall down and, and reconcile, you know, this kind of thing. Um, but anyway, so looking at the text before we get out, um, it's, uh, what was that, 11? It says, I am the good shepherd. So he's going to say that. He's going to proclaim the theme of our, our whole chapter, essentially, um, in 11 and 14 here. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, he's going to use this laid down four different times. Twice he's going to say um, he lays down his life for the sheep, but then he's going to move down into the authority. Who took Jesus's life? Did the Jews take his life or did he willingly give it? So he's going to talk about it at the back part of this text, just a little bit different. And 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 we can end with that very interesting um you know, a mystery there. Um, but he says here, I am the good shepherd in verse 11. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now in this text about I care for the sheep, Jesus doesn't necessarily talk about how he actually specifically cares, but he talks about what not caring looks like. And when you read this story, have you had any relationships in your life where you're just like, Hey, I had some hireling, I had some hireling relationships where they played the role of my friend, but when it, when the wolf came, they weren't there for me. When I needed someone um, to watch out for me, they weren't there for me. Um, the verse 14 starts the, I know my sheep, and it addresses the idea of how God knows this. He says, again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus just, and then he's given a comparison that this doesn't really probably make sense until we get to John 14. Um, but he's talking about the oneness that he has with him and God is also the oneness we're going to find um, in him as we come one with Jesus. And we will also have that oneness with God, but he begins to introduce this. I know my own and my own of me, just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So that's the second time he says, I lay down my life for the sheep in verse 16. And I have other sheep here. He's going to open, you know, what I believe essentially is kind of the Jewish Gentile um, introduction at this point in time, all the ministry um, resources were, were going to the people of Israel. And so there wasn't really significant levels of ministry to the nations or to the Gentiles. And so when he, when he speaks here, um, I lost my say. Um, he said in verse 16, and I have other sheep. They are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Um, so as we, as we finish, you know, there, um, we, I know my sheep. He knows who is going to right there in Israel in that location, who's going to, um, uh, his sheep are and who's going to hear his voice. But, but 
in the sovereignty of God, he knows as he goes throughout to the nations and through all ages of time, he's going to know his sheep. That's going to be consistent throughout all the course of, of, of time. And verse 17 is the last one. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life. Um, I think when we read that phrase there, we, you know, we, we know the, the significance of laying our life down, that there's no higher level of standing in the gap and protecting the people we love, whether uh, lay our life down for our wife, lay our life down for our children, lay our life down for our, our mom and dad, lay our life down for our friends. So there's only a, a small group of people that will actually lay our life down, but Jesus laid his life down for his enemies. He laid his life down for, for all that would be saved. But he says, um, I lay, but, but in this phrase, he says, um, in, I lay my life down that it, that I may take it up again. It's the next thing. And so this is what I just, I, I'm not going to try to explain this. I just think it's it, it, interesting. Um, just reading it for what it says, but he says, um, that I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. So in big picture, he's saying no one can take my life. I lay it down willingly. But, but I think what's interesting is he says, he says, I have the authority to take it up again. And so my question that's, I don't know the answer to this, but I think it's somewhat interesting if you just take the words literally for what it says, is is who rose Jesus from the dead? You know, I, I have found, you know, that I usually have peace with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, you know, went into Jesus or, or something like that. But but here he's saying, I have the authority to, to take it up again. I, I lay it down. I have the authority to take it up. So I'm not going to try to explain that one. I just think the mystery of the Trinity continues. The longer I'm a, a Christian, it's just amazing. You know, at some point, you just got to say, but God, you know, but uh, but I, I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. But I will say, you know, when we talk about taking things out of context, um, you know, when we when we start bringing in free will theology um, into things, I think this text actually speaks to what a lot of people adapt as um, you know this whole idea that I, I I I take up my life, I pick up you know it's my own authority. I think that that a lot of people think that's kind of where where their free will um, you know role falls. Um, but, but I would point out that, 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 that it, that this is clearly speaking about something that Jesus has and is related to the cross. And, um, and I, I just think the dangerous of the danger of free will, um, as a, as a, we can allow free will theology to kind of run like a, a wild stallion with, with no tameness to it. Um, I, I think, um, I think we have to reel that in and and realize that we are bound by sin um, and and just just keep it in perspective. Um, um, but I don't think this text is actually justifying um, the free will theology that people put out there today. And the more I study free will theology, I, I, I wonder where did that come from? Because I don't see it in the Bible the way people think that it's in the Bible. Um, but, but 
in in the last little section 19 there was a great division so all this has happened there was a great division among the jews because of these words many of them said he is a demon and it is insane why listen to him others said they are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon can a demon open the eyes of the blind um I, I, I guess I'm missing something here. I thought it said, it, it must be in the next section. Um, Yeah. So in the next section, um, it talks about John the Baptist. And it says that John did no signs, but everything he said about this man was true. And, um, and I think that's what they're wrestling with here. Is um John came and he didn't do no signs, but God, but Jesus clearly did signs. Like I thought about this the other day. Like when you see um, I don't know if that word is called a charlatan, but I'll throw Benny Hinn under the bus. But um, but but there's some ministers today that that do healing type things that you just like that looks shady, you know. But 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 when but when Jesus, Jesus ain't doing no small time healing like when he takes a man that's crippled you know just the examples of john and just says get up and walk and he don't use no water or nothing like that and in another case he takes a man and takes spit and dirt and makes mud and puts it on his eyes and says go wash that off and he can see i mean those are profound you're talking a man was born blind and now he sees and a man has been crippled for many a years and he just gets up and starts carrying his mat. That's authority. That's power. That's ability to heal. And that is signs that you cannot refute. Um, and so that, that was hard to get around. Um, and, and even though they didn't fully understand all the words that Jesus was saying, and, and I really like what Mike said, he pointed out, out is that sometimes we don't fully under, just like the Trinity text I was talking about there a bit about the authority of him, to, to lay it down and pick it back up um, and, and the resurrection, you know, sometimes we just know his voice and we just know our shepherd is calling us out of one place and leading us into another place. And um, we don't know all the details. You know, this whole thing started essentially with Abraham and it said, he, he, he said, um, come and, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm messing up the phrase, but he says, basically follow me, to a place that I'm going to show you, a land that I'm going to show you. So Abraham, his first act of obedience towards God was to pick up his family and leave from a place of comfort and to go to a place that he that, that God was going to show him, that he was going to take him to a place and use him in a mighty way. And that's that's what our life lays here before us today, you know, are we listening to our shepherd? Is our shepherd taking us out of the sheepfold and taking us into a pastor where we can be, you know, who he's designed us to be? And um, so anyway, I, I know we kind of got out of time. I'll let you guys run around, you know, final thoughts. Um, apologize if I hog the mic there a bit. <laughs> but y'all know y'all can always jump in. Um, what you think? Final thoughts, Mr. Wayne? Well, I, I have to confess, I did not put enough time into this chapter, so I'm, I have a lot more to think about that's been said today than and put it all together. So I'm going to try to be better prepared next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're good. We got another week. And so, Keith, you got anything? 
Yeah, I have to keep thinking. I was thinking earlier when we started this. Reminds me as kids, we were blessed growing up. And there were we had a bunch of kids on the street. And uh, you know, during the week, during school week, when the street lights came on, you came in, but on weekends or whatever, you just played out until you heard your dad whistle. Every dad had a whistle and you knew his whistle. Yeah. And if you didn't come in, you get the repercussions of that. <laughs> and uh I just think back vividly of what great times we had with that, but how awesome it was because we could have stayed out all night and who knows what got into mischief or what, but there was order. We didn't argue with dad. When dad whistled, we got home. Uh (laughs) You know, there for the reason being that it was, you know, but uh, I just uh, think of that and hearing dad's whistle, you knew, and every kid, uh, you know, we did accordingly, but, uh, how wonderful it is to have the Lord's voice in our in our life. Uh, Jeff, are you free to do the same thing? Hey, yeah, um, yeah. Just go, uh, going back, and I know I said this a couple weeks in a row, but uh, John twenty thirty one. I write these things so that you may know that uh, Jesus is the Son of God, and by believe, believing in Him, you may have eternal life. And um, here He is again. Jesus in John chapter 10 now, uh, given those I am statements. And so if you want to know where Jesus said he was God, he he's saying it again. And um, Dennis, you brought up earlier, uh, Isaiah, not Isaiah, uh, which prophet? Ezekiel 34. That's a good chapter to read through and and read it side by side with this one here. Uh, and, and John and Ezekiel 34 verse 11, he says, for thus says the Lord God, after talking about how bad of shepherds, the, the leaders of Israel were, he says, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is amongst his sheep that have been scattered. So I, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered. And so, um, here he is f- fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. You know, Ezekiel wrote that God himself was going to seek out a sheep. And here Jesus is proclaiming with the I am statement that I am I am the shepherd. So um, big picture, he is proclaiming his deity again. Yeah. And like in, in uh, an example you can do there in Ezekiel 34 after verse 11, if you'll go in and circle or however you do that, depending on your reverence for the Bible, but um uh, but go find the I will statements is what I call them there, where it says, I will do this. I will do that. And there's over 20 I will statements in the end of that. And in, in that chapter, um, you know, talking about him, he's going to be the good shepherd. You know, oh, neat. yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to do that. Mike, final word. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, we, we read about the good shepherd, um, but I was thinking about the parable that that same good shepherd had shared. And uh, it, I don't think it's in John, but I think it's in other verses. Uh, this is in Matthew 18, 12. It says, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the heap and go for the one that had wandered off? And it just, it just screams the, the rescue plan of God that he will leave the 99 and go rescue the one. Um, just a beautiful picture of, of, of a good shepherd and a, and a savior. Yeah. 
Um, Mike, I'm going to let you close this prayer, but I, I want to leave us with this one thought is this um, pr pray today as you, in your worship service, we need a rising up of good shepherds and, um, and, and surely there's only one good shepherd and that's Christ. But, but a, what makes the church have good shepherds is people that will look to Christ um, and know his voice will follow him and will, 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 will guide others um, as, as he's led. I think about Moses. I used to, I, I would read the story of Moses at sometimes and I'm like, God, you kind of hanging him out to dry because God put Moses in some tough leadership decisions, but Moses, he got one thing right. As he said, the only hope is in looking to God. And what was so cool is as he just looked to the Lord, God was faithful. Um, one particular thing is you got to imagine you got a billion some odd people that are looking at you. You've led them out of Egypt. You're on at the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army is coming at you. And they are like, what have you done? And, you know, they did that a lot to Moses. What have you done? Let, let us out here to just die, you know. But God put Moses in that position. But he, he, uh, but, but Moses kept looking to God and, and, and God kept being, being faithful. And so sometimes we find our situation, whether it's as a husband or as a father or even a good friend or a leader at work or a leader, maybe in church or whatever, we wonder sometimes we'll, we'll get ourselves in a position where we wonder, you know, what's going on here? What's, you know, and, and, and what makes us a good shepherd at the end of the day is that no matter what comes our way, we keep our eyes fixed on God. That, that we don't turn to the left or the right, but we keep our eyes fixed on him and we're willing to obey him and, and follow him wherever he leads. Um, and so we need more and more people like that. Um, and, and I would just say for us, man, we've got people in our family, in our life, our highways and byways. Um, you know, God's always raising us up to be good shepherds. I mean, right there, whoever it is, if it's your children, if it's your marriage, if it's people at your work, God is 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 calling you out to be a good shepherd, to be an ambassador for him and to and to represent him and to be the type of person that people can trust that that you will lead them. You know, we we live in a, a world of darkness and 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 people need to trust that there's people that are still looking to the light. They still recognize the light and they're still on that road following the light. So, Mike, I'm going to get you to close us and I hope you'll have a great you know, service and everything, whatever you're going to be doing this morning. And um, pray that the Holy Spirit moves in a real way and touches your heart and um, does something special. Let's pray, guys. Father, we just uh, once again thank you. Um, I guess just in the spirit of just the last few things that Dennis has said, um, you're you're the good shepherd and you're, you're also calling um, others to, to shepherd other people, Lord. So um, we'll call you the, the biggest shepherd and we'll be the little S shepherds, but uh, Lord, we just pray that you would um, provide to us the wisdom and discernment that we need to, to shepherd the, the flock that you've uh, put under our care, whether that's our family, whether that's our friends, whether that's our, our neighbors and our, our coworkers, Lord. Um, and Lord, I, I, I just pray for the, the churches in our area, Lord, that, um, you've called, you've called those pastors to be shepherds, Lord. So I just pray that uh, you would give them an anointing from on high, Lord, that give them the, the heart of a shepherd Lord, one who cares for the sheep, 
one who um, desires to to pour life into them, ultimately point into the the one uh, true shepherd and and the one who offers abundant life, Lord. So I just pray for us as men, Lord, that you would um, equip us to be the men you want us to be, and may we be obedient to those things. And um, we just love you. We praise you. I pray for all these guys that they just have a great week. And um, proud of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Hope you have a good good evening. And uh, let me know if y'all need anything. Good seeing you. Thank you. It's been a while. So you've been doing good? Keith? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Been doing good. I'm going to be on call this weekend, but I'm going to try whether I'm listening or whatever. Hopefully I'll be able to be there. And I'll be with you guys. It's always a blessing to get the morning jump started with y'all. So yeah. thank y'all. Good to be with y'all. All right, guys. Have a good evening. See y'all. Take care.